We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. You could be listening one of two ways to this show, as you know, because you are listening. And uh, I want to thank you if you're listening either on the Lions of Liberty network feed, where you get access to three shows per week, a show from Brian on Monday, from from Mark on Monday, from Brian on Wednesday, and from me on Thursday, or on my solo Finding Freedom podcast feed. You can subscribe to either, subscribe to both, your choice. But if you do subscribe to the Finding Freedom podcast feed, I'll give you a tip to find it if you're having trouble. You might have to type in Finding Freedom and my name, John Odermatt, and it'll pop right up on any podcasting app. I do appreciate ratings, five-star ratings, and reviews. And if you leave me a review on my Finding Freedom podcast feed, I promise that I will read it at the end of a show. So thank you in advance for doing that. Thank you in advance for subscribing. Um, I hope you enjoy today's show. All right, we are live to the Lions of Liberty Pride. I'm joined here today by Forrest, um, also known as the Pancake King, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Forrest, uh, I was on his podcast, his old podcast, mm-hmm. um, several weeks ago. Um, he is launching a, a new podcast called The Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. Uh, I want to have him on to talk about that, launching a new podcast. Also, to get into his backstory, um, his path to liberty. Um, he's also a Christian as well, I believe also a, a pastor's son. So this is two weeks in a row that I've had pastor's sons on the show. That, that's a record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Forrest, welcome. Welcome to Find Your Freedom. Well, thank you, John. It's awesome to be here. Well, great to have you here, man. And before you know, we get to talking about anything else, <laughs> I need to know what, where does the Pancake King name come from? What does that mean? Yeah, no, yeah, that's perfectly fine. You know, and the sad thing is that the story is really not even all that unique. Uh, when I was a kid, um, uh, me and my family were living up in uh, Connecticut for a while, and um, we would go to this uh, pancake place with our uh, lead pastor. And uh, I was always the one in the group that would always eat the most pancakes at the place. And my pastor commented and called me the Pancake King. Uh, So when it came to uh, coming up with like a sort of a fun nickname uh, for this podcast, as well as a book I'm working on on the same subject, uh, that's the one that came up. So, So does anyone else call you the Pancake King as like your nickname? No, you know, that's the cool thing is I was able to claim it, <laughs> you know, I was yeah, able well. to claim it and put, you know, put ownership on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was called Forrest Gump all my life. The Pancake King though. Uh, um, no, no one still calls me that. <laughs> we're going to get, th- we're going to get that to stick. I mean, that's your, your new podcast name. So, I mean, you're obviously going with it, but I, I like that. I like the Pancake King. So how many pancakes would you eat? Because when I, when I was a kid, I don't know, like, you know, 12 and that, in that time frame where you can just eat whatever you want and there's no consequences. I remember eating as many as maybe like 
I don't know, 12 or 14 pancakes. Would you get up that high? How many pancakes? Oh, John, I was like uh, maybe six or seven, you know, when this was happening. If I asked my parents, they'd probably be able to give me a specific number. But um, I, I would say probably like about six or seven uh, would be the fair uh, range. Sounds like I'm the pancake king. Hmm. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> maybe you should have this show, John. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's. Uh, so you you have a history. You came into the liberty liberty movement through friend of the show, uh, yes. Dan Smots. You know, he's been a longtime supporter of Lions of Liberty. In fact, I think Dan was inspired to start his podcast, The System Is Down, um, by you know, you know Mark Clare and what Mark was doing with Lions of Liberty early on. So t- tell us your backstory coming to uh, the ideas of liberty. So it's interesting because, um, you know, like you said, uh, Dan Smoss was kind of a bit of a of an inspiration for me. And you said that he was inspired by you guys, which is pretty cool because you guys were the first um, people within the libertarian movement that I um, a- encountered after Dan. So when he, uh, when he first launched his show, The System Is Down in early 2017, I was practically right on it from from the beginning. Um, I wasn't really into politics very much. Um, I feel like the 2016 presidential election kind of forced me uh, to do that in a way. Uh, the 2016 election was the first time that I really um, committed to watching uh, the presidential debates and, um, and really kind of following that and really paying attention to the way that in this case, you know, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton um, would interact with each other. And it's like, this feels so much more like some crappy reality show than it feels like a, a serious event. You know, I mean, these are the people who are like meant to be um, uh, the leader of the free world, right? And uh, this feels like a crappy reality show. And, um, you know, and I was kind of following along what Dan was doing because at the time he would like uh, tweet his own comments about the debates out on Twitter and he would like do the hashtag, the system is down. Uh, and then that became a show. Um, I didn't really listen to podcasts at the time until um, Dan put that show out and I started listening to it. And it was really great because what I was feeling after that election, I felt like those feelings were finally being validated somehow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was also in a way my eyes were kind of open to the way the uh, the mainstream media works. I specifically remember um, sitting in a village inn with a couple of friends um, uh, during the uh, election in 2016. And I think it was CNN. It was either CNN or MSNBC. So just think of your favorite absolute bullcrap outlet. Um, and the, um, the headline on there, the thing that they were discussing was Donald Trump was sniffling during, um, during the presidential debate. And I'm like, I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm like, it did, that just really stuck out to me. It was something I always remembered. And I'm no, I'm no Trump supporter or anything like that. It's just something that stuck out to me and made me go, why is this the media's focus? You know, like why, mm-hmm. why are they focusing on this? And it, just these little things that just didn't add up. Uh, so when the system is down, finally came out, I started listening to that weekly was listening to the interviews that Dan would do with uh, people. And it really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, different parts of the culture that were kind of like not talked about. Um, 
Dan really showed me how important it was to have difficult, uncomfortable conversations about topics that we don't like to touch. Mm -hmm. And of course, the number of topics that we don't like to touch has just increased exponentially since then. Um, if you like, if you really want to get into the weeds, though, uh, it was 2020 because the system is down up until then the system is down was really the only political podcast I would listen to. But in 2020, uh, when COVID hit and the lockdowns happened, um, we were hit particularly hard with the lockdowns over here in the quad cities in Illinois. Um, and, um, when I, uh, decided to listen to you guys after I heard Dan mention them, uh, several times, that was really great for me because, through listening to you guys, I also discovered the We Are Libertarians Network with Chris Bangle, Remzo W. Martinez, and Brian Nichols. And through them, I um, discovered uh, Dave Smith. And like, it, it was kind of like a rabbit hole. You know, I kept going down this rabbit hole and like listening to all these other libertarian shows or liberty minded shows. Uh, that got that was one of the biggest things that got me through the pandemic was being able to know that there were people out there who were feeling very similarly to me or thinking very similar, similarly to me, uh, made me feel a lot more sane, you know, made me feel That's a lot more validated. Yeah. And how I was feeling. So I'll just say just, um, right off the bat, I really thank you guys for, um, how you guys helped me through that time really helped me through the COVID pandemic. Uh, that, that's good to know because I mean, honestly, when the, the lockdowns were going on, they were really ramped up and, you know, it was a pretty depressing time, really. Just seeing, yeah. you know, we we've had this uh, this platform here at Lines of Liberty for for several years, mm. and for so long we're we're talking about the philosophy of liberty and, um, you know, really getting into the weeds of you know certain hypothetical scenarios and you know mm -hmm. if the government ever did this, if the government ever shut down all businesses. I mean, the, the, really, I mean, the, what the lockdowns were. There were, no one ever really put a hypothetical out there for that. So it was just, it was honestly very disheartening to uh, to see that play out. Mm -hmm. um, but you had to talk, obviously you had to talk about it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to help some people. So that's, uh, that makes makes me feel good that we, <laughs> that we uh, kept doing the podcast, again, the ideas out there. But so you mentioned a couple names there. You mentioned Remzo W. Martinez. I yeah. mentioned this when I was on your show. I love how he gets the middle initial treatment. That's uh, someday I will get the middle initial treatment. Actually, I don't want it. That's a, that's a lie. Oh, but, <laughs> Remzo is a friend of the show. Also, um, of course, him and Mark have the uh, have the uh, I'm totally drawn a blank on the name of the comic book podcast. Um, Second Print Comics. Second Print Comics. Jeez, Mark's going to kill me. Second Print Comics. That's a it's a free plug for Remzo and Mark. There, check out their podcast. But. I also so I wanted to talk to you about podcasting in general. So sure. you found these podcasts; they help they help get you through this uh, you know difficult time um, in everyone's lives, really in the United States and, and the world for that matter. Um, why did you, what drew you to podcasting? Why did you want to get into this this crazy podcasting game? Well, you know, it actually it goes even further back than um, the last several years. Um, I actually started a podcast uh, with a friend of mine like a long time ago. This was like somewhere like 2012. And it was um, it, it was nothing crazy. It was just to talk about Star Wars. You know, like I'm a huge geek. I'm a huge nerd. Uh, I, you know, was discovering these like kind of geek related podcasts. And I'm like, you know what? I, I want to do something like that. 
Uh, it didn't last, you know, I mean, like, like a lot of podcasts, um, so many of them don't go beyond their 10th episode. And this was pretty much mm -hmm. what happened with us, um, for a number of different factors. Um, but a couple years later, I knew that I wanted to do another one. I just wasn't sure what it was about. Um, I just, for me, I love podcasting because it just screams like, independence in a way um it, if you're able to you know start making a podcast on a really really tiny budget just put a microphone in front of you that you spend maybe a hundred dollars uh you hit record and you start talking there is so much potential there and people can really become their own independent journalists their own talk shows i really truly believe that that um combined with something like substack is the future um, but it will only become the future if more people take advantage of it. And so that was something I was very passionate about with podcasting. When, when you say podcasting combined with Substack, um, can you elaborate on, on that? You're just talking about the future of a more independent media will be what the platform people get, just get their information from? Yeah, so uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Substack is a platform uh, I'm pretty positive that it was established by either conservatives or at the very least, you know, liberty loving people um, where they are completely against censorship. And Substack is where you can create your own newsletter. Um, it's one of those things where you click uh, subscribe on their newsletter and every time they release a new article or their own podcast, because you can release your podcast through Substack too, um, people will receive an email and they'll be able to read um uh, your blog article there. Um, Substack is very much for people who want to strike out and be like their own independent journalists or just um, discuss different topics that they're very passionate about. Mm -hmm. It really allows them to hone in on the thing that they're passionate about and um, start a community that way. Yeah, I got into uh, following people on Substack when, you know who Alex Berenson is? Uh, the name sounds familiar. I don't think I've ever really gotten to, into his stuff. He's, he's the guy. He was suspended from Twitter, and he was very critical of the uh, the uh, COVID narrative. Mm. And basically, he was suspended for tweets that now are just known today as being factual. Um, <laughs> right, and, of course. You know, he, he went to Substack, and that, that's when I, re I really started following him, him closely. But he sued Twitter, and he actually just – don't want. I guess he – technically won because he's back on Twitter, but there was a, a settlement. Um, and he, it's, it's kind of controversial because he uh, crowdfunded his defense, you know, saying that he wasn't going to settle, but ended up settling, but he claims there's still going to be discovery. So I, I don't know to be uh, to be continued there. It's kind of getting down a whole, whole different rabbit hole, but hundred percent agree with you um, on that being the future of media. I guess the, the, the part where, figuring out how we get get there. Obviously, the, there's already people on Substack. There's already people making podcasts, so that, that's already happening. But the, the money side of it, where you just think about the hundreds of millions of dollars that, for example, pharmaceutical companies are pumping into cable news and network television and, and, and all this stuff, it's going to be interesting to see and it's already happened to, to, to some degree. I've noticed, you know, pharmaceutical advertisements in podcasts, you know, slammed in the middle or, you know, in front of the pre-roll. And as that money starts to come into the, the podcasting realm, um, you know, censorship probably will come with it to, to some degree. I mean, there already is 
Spotify already had their, you know, their Joe Rogan censorship where they put tags on anything um, that has a, a mention of uh, the unmentionable. But right. it, it'll be interesting how that dynamic plays out. But I wanted to ask you about your, your new podcast and you, you, you can plug. I know it's going to be, it hasn't launched yet. It's going to be launching here in the next, I think, week or so, you were saying. So yeah. tell us about the, the launch date. And then, um, I mean, it's a really interesting topic. And maybe there's other similar podcasts out there like it, but being so specific, I think, is brilliant. Um, obviously, you got the Pancake King um, part first, and then Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. So tell us about that and, and what you plan to do um, with the show. Absolutely. So yeah, like you said, um, it will be launching real soon. Uh, it will be launching with the first two episodes across pretty much any pl- podcast platform you can think of uh, on July 27th. And um, it, in order to kind of explain how this podcast came about, I kind of have to also explain, you know, what happened to my very previous one that you were in like one of literally the last episodes uh, it, it was crazy be, though, because like, I'll always be grateful for the fact that I was able to get some people that I was listening to long-term, you know, on this show, mm-hmm. uh, before I finally decided to, you know, um, bring the ax down on it. But the reason why I, um, you know, uh, l- just canceled this last podcast, it was simply called screaming and, um, it, it's still like, people can still find it, I guess, if they're interested in it and, in accessing those archives, but um, it'll that, be around forever, forever. Podcasts are eternal, so it'll, yeah, it'll never disappear. True. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not even entirely sure how to feel about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. But the uh, the podcast screaming was basically like inspired by like all these different podcasts that I was already listening to uh, when it came to like kind of liberty loving podcasts or libertarian movements. Um, you know, it would talk about uh, pop culture, uh, social issues, and politics. But the problem with the show was that it just did kind of feel like a copy and paste of a, diff- of a couple different podcasts that I loved listening to and just mashing that together. Um, and there just wasn't a clear sense of direction. Uh, me and my co-host would have a good time making it, but um, there just wasn't a clear sense of direction. There'd be episodes where, uh, that we would do where the topics we were focusing on, uh, like one of us was really not that interested in. And so the conversation didn't flow as well as it, as it could have. Mm-hmm. And again, it just, after a while, I just realized, you know, this is me just, I guess in a way trying to be like the quote unquote cool kids. Um, and maybe it's time for me to actually find out what I want to talk about, what it is I, I want to actually center a podcast around. Um, and, um, my marketing consultant happens to be Remzo. And, uh, he was telling me, uh, during a meeting that if, if I want to make a new podcast, I want to be able to center in on something that I believe only I can offer, you know, it's, uh, and a lot of it is just what makes up myself. Well, having been diagnosed on the autism spectrum, that's one of them. There aren't actually a lot of podcasts focused on autism out there. Mm-hmm. You would think there would be with the, you know, the heightened awareness of the spectrum in the last couple of years. But I was even doing a search the other day on Apple podcasts alone. And most of the podcasts that I found were either from, you know, experts, <laughs> quote unquote, um, right. that are not on the spectrum themselves. They just happen to know a lot about autism. So they're just, you know, r- reflecting everything that they've learned. Um, or there were a few podcasts that had to do with, um, you know, like 
parents trying to figure out how to like parent their autistic child. And that's all well and good. But um, I was never able to find a podcast that was a hosted by someone uh, who is on the autism spectrum uh, and B married to someone else who also happened to be on the autism spectrum. That combination, as far as I'm concerned, unless it's buried somewhere out there that I don't know about, it's not out there. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no book about it either. And so this is, um, this is probably like the one project that I've started up that I have confidence will do well in the market because it's something that I have not been able to find. It's something that I myself would love to listen to if I knew it was out there. And I think it would be very helpful for, for people. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the second thing you said there is the most important is that it's something that you would listen to yourself and you are looking for. Mm -hmm. I think so often we forget that when we're, you know, building a product or, you know, coming up with the idea for a podcast. Um, it's, I mean, it's actually, it's kind of, it's very different topic, but the, the origin of my show, uh, Felony Friday, that was also a, a very specific, you know, thing, very, very, very narrowed down, you know, interviewing, for the most part, I was interviewing you know, felons who, who had been to prison. Mm -hmm. And there really wasn't, at the time, there was really nothing else out there like that. Um, now, there, now there's, there's quite a bit like that. Um, there, there's some good shows like that. And I mean, the, not to rehash this, but I mean, the reason I did change is I, w I wanted to expand and I want to talk more about what was happening in current events and, and things like that. But the nice thing about niching down like you did is you can niche way down and then you, you can zoom out. I mean, you don't have to, to stay at that level, but I think that's, I think it's a brilliant uh, approach that you're, that you're taking to it. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, um, and so this podcast is essentially about um, the autism spectrum, breaking down like the myths or, if you will, the misinformation around it, um, helping people understand what exactly the autism spectrum is and what it's like, uh, the experiences that people on the spectrum have. So obviously, I'm only one person on the autism spectrum. If you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one. You haven't met them all. Um, mm -hmm. And so... That way I can at least share what my personal experiences are. Um, and so in, in trying to kind of figure out the target audience for this show, um, obviously I would love for people on the spectrum to listen to this because in that way they can feel less alone. They can get to uh, understand a bit more about themselves. And they can also just feel much more positive about uh, their own future and their ability to succeed in life despite these things that... Um, you know, could potentially hold them down or hold them back. And then it would be good for people who are not on the spectrum because it would just, uh, it would expand their knowledge on the subject. It would help them learn how to better interact with their loved ones who are on the spectrum and just give them some understanding that they might not have had before. What's, what's your um, opinion on, I'm sure you've heard this before, how, you know, people say with libertarians, yeah, well, you're a libertarian, so so you're probably on the spectrum. What, what what's your response to to something like that? Is that is that offensive? Like, because you, I hear that all the time. Not really. I mean, the funny thing is, I have met plenty of people on the autism spectrum um, uh, in my life, but I, you know, as far as their like uh, political affiliations go, here's the funny thing, and, and I don't think enough people realize this. A lot of people on the autism spectrum. Um, 
don't really care about politics very much um, unless it's something that they are like really uh, hyper fixated on, you know, which is something mm -hmm. that autistic people are known for is that they have um, these hyper fixations or these obsessions. I use the word hyper fixations because that sounds maybe a little bit nicer, but um, it, like some autistic people will never care about politics. They'll care more about mm -hmm. uh, comic books or, um, or it just weird like things like poetry, history, something like that. Um, a lot of them don't really care about politics unless it's a hyperfixation of theirs. It happens yeah. to be a hyperfixation of mine. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I can say I'm partially an exception. Uh, I don't really get offended though if the if people say that oh if you're libertarian you're autistic. I don't even know how they're able to make that association. It just sounds to me like there are people who don't even understand what autism is. Yeah. Well, it's, it's probably, probably some of that. Um, and you know, just, just, just being lazy with, uh, generalizations. It's but, uh, social media. It makes you that yeah. way. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so are you going to be interviewing people on the show or is there going to be, you know, you, you talking about these topics, mix of both or what's, what's your plan there? So, uh, for now, I, the formula that I have is, um, I, I take turns with different formulas because I don't like the idea of every episode feeling the exact same as the last one. Um, mm -hmm. I really like changing it up, making, like making people feel like they know they're getting into something new every week. But of course, without going so far as to make the show sound unrecognizable. So some episodes are completely solo and I like I would have scripts for them and it, it would be like kind of sharing a personal experience of mine or it would be uh, talking about a certain aspect of autism. Um, so I have my solo episodes, then I'll have my one-on-one um, -on -one episodes where it's either with my wife or it's with a friend of mine who is also on the spectrum, a family member, someone where we can just get together and talk about autism openly, or, you know, or occasionally just share stories about ourselves so you can kind of get a window into my life. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I recorded an episode where it was just me and my youngest brother sitting in the local coffee shop, and he was telling me a story about how he wrecked two cars in the span of several weeks, you know, just to... Um, Again, just sort of that window into my life and the and the people in it, um, just the stuff that matters to me. And then I have a third formula that I'm still kind of in the experimenting phase of. I call it the Waffle Court <laughs> to capitalize on the Pancake King title. Nice. Um, and it's me and a few of my closest friends just having the types of conversations that we would normally have, you know, uh, off recordings. Um, still kind of working on how to get that to fit into the overall formula, but um, I think I'm getting closer. Cool, cool. I like that. Have, having different approaches, bit of a uh, variety um, view into the show. So that's cool. So let's let's talk about some current events. You want to do that? There are yeah, a couple things okay. I, I wanted to hit on that are going on. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you, you've been following everything that's going on with the Roe, Roe v. Wade stuff. And mm -hmm. um, I've been talking about controversial topics earlier, um, those, those tough, tough conversations. This is a tough one for a lot of people. Yeah. But um, this story out of Dallas where there's a pregnant woman driving in the HOV lane. She gets pulled over and says that because she's pregnant, you know, that's her passenger. Um, so... <laughs> 
I, I, I'm assuming that this woman is trolling to a certain degree, but I mean, my perspective on this, I don't have an issue with it. I think she should be allowed to drive in the HOV lane. I mean, I mean, part of it is that, yeah, I do believe the life begins at, at conception, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, screw the HOV lane rules. I mean, anything you can do to get around it, I'm all for it. So what, what's your view on this one? Well, I can't really speak for the the HOV lane uh, angle, but what I did think was pretty funny was that she's she's referring to, um, you know, her the baby that's still in the womb. She's referring to it as a second person, so technically she wasn't driving alone. And it's like that's right. great that you're referring to the baby as a second person. You know, that's wonderful. There's just one little problem there. Little Timmy can't vouch for you. <laughs> Like, um, you know, he can't vouch for you. He can't speak for you. He can't, um, you know, try to defend you. I mean, it's just, you know, it's an infant in in the womb. So I just, unless she was genuinely trolling, I just think it's, I don't know, just kind of a bad um, reason to come up with for justifying um, driving on the HOV lane, even if the fact that she got in trouble for this in the first place is dumb by uh, conceptually. Wouldn't it be the same thing though if you know, say she had a newborn? I mean, the newborn, the newborn can't vouch for you. The newborn is just, <laughs> just, just in a, uh, in, in a car seat. So, I don't know. I, I really, I really don't see a difference. It kind of, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, there's been different stories going around about this where, uh, you know, the people saying that, well, okay, so if life begins at conception, or if life begins at some point before. Um, before birth, then, you know, shouldn't child support then be, begin at that time as well? Shouldn't, um, I forget what the other example was, but, um, oh, oh it, it was like, shouldn't, should, shouldn't the voting age, that, this one's just crazy, shouldn't the voting age then be, be pulled back nine months so people who, you know, can vote nine months earlier if, they're, if it's a life at, at conception? But what, what's, your, what's your view on, on stuff like that? Yeah, man, you know, I'm not even entirely sure. Um, when it comes to the whole, like, uh, just the Roe v. Wade situation, uh, or just, or, because uh, I believe, I'll just go ahead and say, you know, like, I'm a pro-life person. I believe that it's, um, life begins at conce- conception. Uh, for me, that stuff is pretty obvious. Um, I've te- I've tended to avoid, you know, like, having conversations uh, like that with people. The most that I did after Roe v. Wade was overturned was that, like, I asked a couple of uh, different women, uh, you know, what's your, what, how do you feel about this? What do you think of it? And obviously, they had different, um, different opinions, different perspectives Mm -hmm. on it. Some people were fine with it. Some people hated it. Um, But I, I, I don't like delving too deep into topics that I just know very little about. What I do know is that um, Roe v. Wade was obviously around when, you know, when I was born. It, it first was established in 1973. That's far long before my time. Uh, so it was actually really weird for me when I heard that it was overturned because that is something that I heard mm-hmm. about all my life. And now it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even now I'm still trying to figure out like what to make of that. But again, I don't like to really like form these opinions on topics that I just don't know a whole lot about. And that's one where I didn't delve too much into it. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely definitely respect where, where you're coming from there. And yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, 100% agree with you. I never thought in my lifetime. I don't know if anybody thought 
I would, I would think they were delusional if they told me, you know, five years ago that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned in 2022. I think anybody would have would have thought that was a possibility. So it's 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 interesting that it's happening now, and I, I'll, I'll just give my my viewpoint on without going too deep into it. Um, really, when we look at like what's the libertarian principled position on Ro- like on, on abortion, what mm-hmm. should it be? I mean, there's obviously there's there, there's pro life, there's pro choice libertarians out there, but mm-hmm. overturning Roe v. Wade is not it's not an intervention in itself. All it, all it's doing is taking a federal law off the books and rolling it back to the states. And honestly, with something like this, I think it's a cultural issue, and the closer it can get to the local community and ultimately the family. Um, that that's the best, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think that you know women should be thrown in jail or anything like that. I, I don't want that to happen. But I mean, the, this is the way I look at it. Just to put it generally, and you know, people can you know give me crap for not taking a uh, you know a strong position on this. But at the end of the day, I want more babies to live, and however we can get to that point, I'm gonna I'm gonna fully support that. But yeah, I mean, I work with. Um uh, foster children every yeah. summer. And so I, you know, I have myself, I've thought about the idea because these foster children obviously have, have led some pretty crappy lives. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have to work with them. Right. Um, and I have, you know, thought to myself before, it's like, man, you know, like if, you know, if their parents had decided that they didn't want them at the beginning, I wouldn't even know who these kids are, you know, and that just, that if, if there's any like, place in the whole abortion debate that I, you know, kind of stand in or have a pretty firm belief in, uh, that's where it's at. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think to myself, I wouldn't know who these kids are if, if their parents decided, um, not to have them at the beginning. So regardless of how absolutely crappy their parents treated them or, you know, or the fact that they decided later that they didn't want them, I, I am at least grateful for the fact that they decided they will have them, you know? Yeah, that's, that's that's a really good point. And anything that can be done to get or to improve the current situation with the foster system and how difficult it is to adopt in many states, I know it's, it's different state to state. Um, anything that can be done to make that easier, obviously, would be a, would be a good change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But so turning gears here, I just want to talk about one more story because this is this is something that. I've talked about this on my show months ago, how when Russia invaded Ukraine, there was this, just right away almost, there was this initial global backlash, not only against Vladimir Putin, but against anybody who's uh, Russian or Belarusian. Um, And the one thing that happened is the, what is it, The, the tennis associations, it, it happened in several different sports, but it, ha- it happened in tennis where they wouldn't allow Russians or Belarusians, I, th- I think it's Belarusian, is that the right word, um, to compete in, in tournaments, in, in championships, in, in, the, in the tennis events. And actually, the um, women's, I guess it's the, the Women's Tennis Association, they find these Wimbledon being one of them. I think it's it's the All England Lawn Tennis Club and the right. LTA find them for stopping these athletes from participating. So turn ahead to 
this last you know Wimbledon tournament that just occurred, and there's a woman who won it, who was born in Russia, trains in Kazakhstan, which apparently is is uh, is common. And uh, it's funny in this article I sent you. There's a there's a picture of Borat in the middle of it, surrounded by surrounded by four women. Just yeah, it's thrown in there because Kazakhstan. It's just right. Got to got to put some some picture there. But so so she wins it as like a you know. So that's it's it's like a middle finger in their face, and people didn't know how to react. Like, should we be cheering? Should we be clapping? Is this? I mean, what should we do? Can we smile? Can can we laugh at this? Can we be happy? Um, it's just such an absurd situation that an entire people are being painted as being like evil. Because right. of the actions of the government of those people, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, don't we always have to say that, like, whenever we, um, you know, sling mud at uh, China, we always have to say it's the Communist Party, not the people themselves. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we never like we never hate on the Chinese people. It's uh, it's the Chinese Communist Party we don't like, right? I think it's the same thing with um, with Russia. And uh, yeah, you know, I think that's really unfortunate. Um, the idea that when I mean, it's like, how would we feel? You know, like I don't know if um, if uh, some country decided that Joe Biden was the absolute worst or something like that um, uh, for some some heinous things uh, that that he did. Like, how would we feel if um, if we were like kept out of certain events, mm-hmm. uh, activities, sports, what have you? Yeah, you know, I, I think I think that's wrong. I, I think um, you know, vilifying an entire country full of people um, because of the actions of their otherwise tyrannical leader, I think that's um, I think that's wrong. I, I wouldn't really say that there's um, a whole lot more I could even say about that. Except I do find it ironic that uh, do you watch uh, the show Stranger Things? No, no. No. Okay. Well, uh, to put it very, like to put it briefly and very simply in the, uh, the latest. So the, the whole show is set in the 1980s. So you got to have that context. Um, the show, uh, does focus on kind of the Soviet union at one point. It's a little crazy, but, um, there's a few Russian characters in that show. And this latest season came out just a couple weeks ago. There's a couple Russian characters in this show who are actually genuinely good people. And, um, you know, and like even a couple of the scumbags in there make noble decisions in the end. Um, I'm a little bit surprised uh, of the timing of um, when that came out because um, they shot all that like two years ago. So obviously long before the whole Russia-Ukraine conflict but uh, you know, I, I think you're, you're, say, you're saying you're surprised that, that they left that in there, making them good there, people. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that they left that in there. I mean, because in all honesty, even if you were to cut it, it wouldn't even really impact the story that much. But um, but that's there, and so I'm like, well, clearly we understand. And this was, you know, the show was set in the Soviet Union. You know, clearly that these writers understood that even though. Um, you know, you had the Soviet Union during the 1980s. There were probably good Russian people in there. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was something that stuck out to me when watching it a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I can't really give you too deep of an answer, except it, it is wrong to, um, you know, to keep people out of there. Because these people, I mean, 
like when they get into these sports events, that's their life. That's their passion. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to do this. They're thinking in the long term with this. Um, and when you're kicking them out, I mean, it's the same thing as like kicking out, um, you know, sports players um, due to the vaccine mandates last year, you know, yeah. in which case they're still uh, struggling with that. Thankfully, not as much as they were before, but there are still some people trying to get back in. Um, I think I think actually. Um, so no Novak Djokovic, who just won Wimbledon and the U.S. Open's coming up and he's he's not vaccinated. He wasn't allowed to play in the Australian Open. I don't think he's going to be allowed to play in the U.S. Open. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a vax mandate. Yeah, that's unfortunate. You know, it really is unfortunate. Uh, you know, I look forward to the day when those types of uh, requirements are just, you know, not only like kind of uh, disregarded, but also seen as immoral. You know, I do believe that mm -hmm. uh, as humans, we can we can evolve and we can get better. You know, history has a tendency to rhyme, but that doesn't mean we can't, you know, write some new lines in there. <laughs> yeah. So on on that note, just to just to zoom out to get your perspective on uh the direction of well, we'll just keep it to the, the direction of this country. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we see you know, Joe Biden, if you believe polls, which I generally believe polls directionally. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, they, they, you know, they fudge the numbers up somewhat and there's a lot of that going on, especially head to head political polls. But you look at the Joe Biden's approval polls, he's at, you know, historical lows. Congress has been at, you know, they get lower every year. People, you know, disapprove of them more. Mm -hmm. do, do you think that, I mean, is ultimately, is, is that, is that a good thing <laughs> that there's less trust in our government and just overall as a, I don't want to say as a country, cause we're not all, I mean, a country is made up of individuals, but as, as a people who live in the United States, um, do you think we're trending more towards um, people who would support things like these uh, vaccine mandates? Or do you think we're trending more away from that, where people kind of had their eyes opened from uh, from the lockdowns? Yeah, I, I, you know, I like to think that we're in the latter. I mean, I, I think it's such a testament, really, to... Um, the resilience of some of the people in our country when you consider the fact that over the last two and a half years, you know, we went through the COVID pandemic, the lockdowns, the vaccine mandates, all that kind of stuff. But we never got, and thank God, we never got as bad as other countries did. Did we still get mm -hmm. bad? Yes. But we never did get as bad. Because here's the thing. If more people in this country um, complied with, you know, like uh, the mandates and the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. If much, if more people, and probably didn't even have to take that many more, but if more people in this country complied with all that stuff, we would still be dealing with the majority of that stuff now. And not only that, it would probably get, it would probably get worse. I can't even imagine what it would be like, you know, dealing with like, uh, you know, stopping to get gas for $5 a gallon. Oh, but also I have to put on a mask, you know, before I walk into the gas station to get a receipt or, you know, or like even worse, have to show some sort of proof of vaccination. Yeah, so what I am saying is that we could definitely be worse. And I think the reason why we're not is because um, there's a good portion of this country still that has the resilience needed to just keep us afloat. Um, and of course, you know, coming from my Christian faith, I just, I tend to stick to like optimism and hope. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's extremely important. Uh, it was extremely important for me to stay optimistic during the pandemic. Otherwise, I don't know where I would be. I certainly wouldn't be starting a podcast after the 
you know, after coming out of it, if I if I didn't think it was going to have some sort of positive impact. Um, I think as far as the direction of the country goes, um, that's actually even one of the one of the reasons why I started this podcast on top of being informative about uh, autism, informative about uh, marriage on the autism spectrum and stuff like that. I want to give a I, I want to put something out there that young people around my age and younger um, can turn to every week where they can um, where they can feel less alone. They can feel more positive about their future because there are so many people uh, like you see these people all the time on social media, including libertarians. Libertarians are guilty of this, too. There is way too much negativity in the social. I agree. I no agree. matter what side of the political spectrum it comes from, there are people, uh, they're like libertarian people or right-leaning people that I had a lot of respect for, like, uh, like as soon as like last year. And now this year, I don't really respect them anymore because I feel like all their message is, is just negativity, chaos. Oh, you better buckle up. It's going to get worse. I, I think it's a terrible message. I mean, there might be a little bit, a, a little bit of realism in that, but I just don't think it's the right message to tell young people. If we want the next generation to be stronger, we need to change our message. It's it's so important. Um, and so that's what I'm doing with this podcast. And this podcast isn't even like, it's not, at least right, right now, it's not even going into politics. And that's by design because mm -hmm. I want people to be able to catch a break, you know, feel good about themselves, feel good about the world around them, feel like they can make it. I mean, we're living, we live in America with a country where, you know, if we work hard, we're supposed to make it. I want people to feel like, and especially people on the autism spectrum, I want them to feel like they can make it. And um, I'm hoping that through this show, I know I just took it back around to that, but um, I, I am hoping that through this show, it can help embolden young people for the next generation. Change the yeah. message. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know, well, like you were saying, your show you know, might not talk about politics, but it's also not going to you know, have a woke agenda. No. That's probably more important. So, yeah. and that, I mean, that's why I, I think it's, it's so important um, that – I don't want to say libertarians, people who are – you know, liberty leaning, um, people who love freedom, um, people who believe in the individual. I think that's why it's so important, like you, like you're doing now, um, that they start podcasts that are not politically focused. That mm -hmm. they're about what you're passionate about, mm -hmm. and in talking through what you're passionate about, and in talking with other people, um, it's just gonna that's gonna come through naturally. Your your, your values, your principles are just gonna show through naturally, and, and people will see it. So it doesn't have to be overtly political. This is what I think. This is what you should think, you know, and, and, and all of that. Um, just by doing the show, um, I, I think without even, you know, doing it intentionally, um, you will be helping to, uh, to spread the message of liberty, I think. But running out of time here, before I let you go, just say one more time um, the show name, when it's going to come out, and if you want to talk about the first episode or two or anything like that. Sure. So yeah, the uh, podcast name is The Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. Uh, it will be premiering with its first two episodes on July 27th. Um, uh, the first episode is kind of more or less just like a, a, a brief prologue. And um, the second episode goes into a certain aspect of my experiences on the spectrum. 
uh, specifically what it's like for me with, with the kind of mind that I have while uh, standing in a worship service and um, yeah, well. you know, like how autism plays a role in that. Um, there will be uh, some, some connections between my experiences with autism and how it affects uh, my Christian faith. Um, I don't really get into politics in the show, but I have no problem being open about my Christian faith mm-hmm. on the show. That's, that'll be interesting. I will. Uh, I'll definitely listen to that one because that. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> and if uh, and if people are kind of picky about lengths, you know, there are, there are episodes that are like less than ten minutes long, and then episodes that are like more twenty to thirty minutes, just depending on where you're at and how much time you've got on your hands. Uh, but if you want any updates on that and um, and or just to keep up on my blog, you can go to thepancakeking.substack.com. It'll all be there. All right, Forrest, thanks for coming on the show. This uh, His show is called The Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. I did, we did get a comment from a, from a viewer here saying that the pancakes you were eating were probably bigger than the ones I was eating. That's probably fair, especially if you're going out to a, to a breakfast place, and I was probably eating just small, you know, homemade pancakes. So maybe you are the true Pancake King. Forrest, thanks for coming on the show, man. Of course, man. Thanks, John. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And I just want to remind you that you could have heard that episode live if you're a member of the Lions of Liberty Pride. So if you're a Pride member, one of the perks is at any level, you get access to um, our live content, either streamed through Facebook or streamed on a private YouTube link. And you can comment, ask questions, all that good stuff. You also get access in our Lions of Liberty Pride, to all of our bonus content, Um, our our bonus shows, Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, Brian's Good Morning Bleephead. You can check any of them out, and they they come with the cost of doing business for as little as $5 a month. Of course, there's levels above that where you can produce shows and talk to us in our um, monthly calls. Um, All good stuff, and we would love for you to come and be a part of the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Do it now. If you've been thinking about it, but putting it off, do it now. You can go there to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Or if you're like locals and you don't like Patreon, go to lionsofliberty.locals.com. Come join us. The pride's growing. All right. Well, that's all I have for the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you can share it around. You can tell a friend about it. And uh, you can maybe you know tell a stranger on the street, hey, check out Finding Freedom. That guy John Odermatt, he's got some good stuff he's talking about. Or, you know what, better yet, even buy a t-shirt. Buy a Finding Freedom t-shirt at lionsliberty.store. Wear the t-shirt and just point to it. Just point at strangers and point to your t-shirt. And uh, they'll get it. They'll understand. If they don't, I don't care. But it's worth a try. I would do it if I were you. But I'm not. What I am is someone who's ending the show right now. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. Always remember to keep your head up. And the fire's liberty burning. <laughs>